Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Hello, hope you are well this fine Sunday evening. I am Kate Wheeler with Christine Bentley and you're listening to What She Said, brought to you tonight by Roar Publishing, from concept to content. We could all use a good laugh and tonight we're kicking off the show talking to Anne Pornell, a three-time Second City Toronto main stage cast member. And if you've ever gone to a Second City show and thought, I want to do that. You can! We're going to learn about their training centre that offers comedy classes for all ages and levels of interest. And on a more serious note, a TV documentary called Much Too Young, released this weekend, takes a look at four families struggling to cope with and care for a parent with early-onset Alzheimer's at a very young age. We're going to be joined tonight by Catherine Futerick and Kathleen Freschetti, two very young caregivers and participants in the documentary, who are going to share their experiences. Dr. Patrice Lindsay, Director of Stroke at Heart and Stroke, is going to tell us about a study about taking a look at stroke and pregnancy. She will be joined by survivor Anna Jody, who is currently eight months pregnant. And get this, she experienced two strokes during her last pregnancy. It's a scary topic as roughly 30 out of 100,000 women will experience a stroke during their pregnancy period. I had no idea. Neither did I. I've never heard of anyone who's pregnant, who had a stroke. So, mm. But we're not in the playground chat circle anymore, so maybe that's why. No. We're also going to learn about the BU Initiative, spearheaded by award-winning singer-songwriter Tara Shannon, and that aims to empower girls by providing free interactive workshops across the country. Great initiative. And from empowering younger women to empowering women at the age of retirement, which is a huge milestone for most people, a big topic of conversation. Renee Rabello, who is a financial life coach, is going to be in to tell us all about five steps to the ideal retirement for today's woman. Now, speaking of empowered women, we know Madonna as the Queen of Pop and Aretha Franklin as the Queen of Soul. And tonight, musicologist Eric Alper is going to tell us about other popular nicknames of artists in on the record. Your nickname was Chatty. Yeah. Mine, so far, Sophie's the only one that's given me one, which is Mamook, which was when she was very little. It really didn't stick. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> sure we had nicknames by from people yeah, who I, didn't like us, but we don't uh, need to talk about that. No, we yeah. don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, and there are only a few hours left to enter our contest to win free double passes to time of their lives in Toronto and Vancouver, thanks to Pacific Northwest Pictures. Determined to gatecrash her ex-lover's funeral, former Hollywood siren Helen, played by Joan Collins, escapes her London retirement home <laughs> with the help of Priscilla, played by Pauline Collins, a repressed English housewife stuck in a dwindling marriage. Sounds like fun. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com to enter. Right. Now, um, we are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we will be tapping into our inner comedians with the Second City Torontos and Pornell. So stay with us for that. Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast, entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to Mackenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Centre. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd.
off from political exhaustion, screaming over board games, settling scores with dance-offs, and taking life advice from a giant banana, the second city's 80th main stage review, Party Today, Panic Tomorrow, covers it all. Joining us tonight is cast member Anne Purnell. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you so much for having me. Now, so... If anyone's ever gone to a Second City show and thought, I want to do that, the Second City Training Center offers comedy classes for all ages, levels of interest, and we've, we've heard people say comedy is a problem-solving tool. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. It's the way to get a message, usually political or otherwise, across to a, a group of people who may or may not be receptive to that idea, but everyone's receptive to laughter. People's guards are down when they are laughing. They're not thinking when they're laughing. They're just react reacting. And so when you use comedy, you really catch people off guard. And while they may be laughing at your jokes, subconsciously they are taking in what you're saying. And I think that's the best and the easiest non-defensive way to get your point across when you're making light of it because every problem is really relatable when you boil it down to its basic thing, which is people are usually scared. If there's a problem, mm -hmm. people get frightened. And the best way to sort of make people feel at ease is through laughter. Well, it makes sense because instead of being defensive, they're just softening their their stance a little bit, just opening up a little bit. Exactly. And there's the beautiful thing. It's not like, so adversarial. Exactly. The beautiful thing about comedy is that you can sneak a very hard-hitting POV and a very bold statement of your opinion in a lot of jokes. And people won't remember necessarily this very, at times, radical statement that you're making, but they right. will remember how they felt when they were watching you. Now, Anne, from what I understand, the classes can help people transition the basic principles of improv into their everyday life. What are those principles, and how, how do you transition it in? At Second City, the biggest thing we like to teach is the idea of yes and, and that's the very basis for all performing, really, when you're, doing improvi when you're improvising, and it's the idea of accepting every offer that is given to you, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things that you can do in your life, sort of not be so afraid of taking risks or, or scary things like that, and just saying yes to the things that come up, and you never know what will happen. So there's, they also, it's not just comedy classes, though. There's other things like diversity. What's the diversity class? In yes, there? at Second City. It is, it is a comedy program, definitely, but it is specifically catered towards uh, diverse voices. And it's called the Bob Curry Program, the Bob Curry Fellowship. And I was part of it in its first year. And it's a wonderful program that is specifically dedicated to any performer, any comedian, regardless of their background. Um, to give them a taste of what it's like to work at Second City. Because Second City is one of the few major theaters in Toronto that's specifically for comedy and specifically for improv, it's hard to find improvisers, period. Because mm -hmm. what we do is, it's, it's very difficult. But usually, diverse voices, and that's including women, that's including people of color, that's including queer voices, they often get left out because they don't see themselves reflected on the stage that they see in Toronto. Are women are women really? Are we considered part of the diversity program now? Uh, well, yeah. If you're a woman of color, absolutely. Woman of color. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. This particular program is, but I very much am a huge advocate for women in comedy because we still are very much underrepresented. Every three years, there's an article about how we are not funny, and it's just, it is so exhausting. So for me, while women are perhaps 
th- more represented, there there is still a major underrepresentation in all of media and all of comedy in general. So, give us an example of an improv exercise one may encounter. We're we're, we're game, aren't we, Christine? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, one of the ones that I love to do is it's just the most basic thing and you you would in a class that I would teach you would you would say that you are doing you would make a a claim you were saying that you were doing an action like I am going on a trip and the person next to you will have to say yes and and then add their own idea to that and again it goes back to that idea of yes and which is taking your idea accepting it and building from that and I think uh so much of life and uh, so much of life is collaboration and sometimes a lot of people have a hard time playing with others and yeah. just saying the words yes and can make everyone feel so included because no one's ideas are getting shut down and I think in the world now we can afford a little bit more positivity. Yeah. Yeah. So if I started, if I, I said, I'm going glamping next week. Yes, and I'm jealous. Yes, and I'm going to give money so that you can go to. Yes, and I'm going to say thank you very much to you. Uh, yes, and but I'm not going to let either of you in my tent. <laughs> ah, see, that's that's saying no. The word but is a secret way of saying no because right. it stopped the option yep. and it stopped including what everyone could do. Yes, okay. and that will be really crowded. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, and John won't like that. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and you I'm never know. Kick you, out. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what John may like. And then it just turns into a news story yeah. about this woman so, walking through the woods yeah. alone. <laughs> so let me ask: what, what, if somebody wanted to try it out before they commit to a class, can people do that? Absolutely, they have drop-ins at the training center, Texas City Training Center, on I believe it is Monday nights. I could be wrong. I've been so out of the training center. I'm very much. It says we have added drop-in classes on the weekends for those looking to try out what we do before committing to a class. Yeah. So classes are typically six to eight weeks. uh, But these uh, drop-in classes are non-committal. You can come in as many times as you want. And they're a real nice crash course into what it is like to work with other people in 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 improv and they're 15 dollars a person that's yeah. not bad and you work on things like basic joke structure i never even knew there was a basic joke structure i feel like i i think you do know what it is but you just don't know that it's called joke structure oh. it's just the whole idea of something like a setup and then a punchline you know like that's what we do on an everyday level are, are jokes, right? When when we're talking with our friends, you're just setting them up so that they can say something funny. And that is joke structure. The straight man. Yeah. And the, yeah. Exactly. So if someone were to go, is there any performance opportunities that Absolutely. would result from this? Absolutely. Uh, through all of the levels, not in the drop-ins necessarily, but um, in the levels A through E, I do believe every single class will end in at least uh, a show if they don't have a couple of shows throughout the actual classes themselves. So there's always opportunity for stage time because if you are interested in performing, there's no better way to learn how to do that than actually getting on stage. You can't replicate what that's like in a class environment. You actually have to just do it yourself. So as a graduate of the Second City Conservatory program Mm -hmm. and your third show on the main stage, What's one of the biggest things you have learned through comedy? It's that you can reach a lot more people with, with by disarming them 
through kindness, through love, through through jokes. People are so willing to not hear what you're saying because they already think it's going to disagree with their own beliefs. But typically when someone walks into a comedy show, they just want to laugh. They don't think they're going to learn, but they do. And I think that's invaluable. And it's a way for me to reach other people that I would never get to reach Mm -hmm. because I have this beautiful platform and I get to perform eight shows a week on it with my other cast members. And we see people who we would never encounter in real life and who would never encounter us. And maybe we can change their mind. Maybe they, they walk away saying, oh, those ladies were funny. Or, oh, that Filipino girl was, was very funny. And we've changed them ever so slightly. And I think in life, you can only do those little changes um, before you can get to anything big and meaningful and significant. So where is the training center for anyone who's listening? That is located at 99 Blue Jay Way, I think. But either way, it's at um, at the corner of Mercer and Blue Jay Way, just at King and Mercer, right. basically. Yeah, it's up on the and third the classes floor. are? Every single day, I believe. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when the are terms they, start. But are they in the evenings? They are in the evenings. We have some for during the weekends, during the days. We have something for everyone. If you've got a nine-to-fiver... We'll have you come in at six o'clock and then uh, the classes there are at night and at the day. And there's also teen classes as well. Excellent. Mm. So um, the website is secondcity.com mm-hmm. uh, and then slash TC for the That's training right. center. That's pretty easy. That's right. Well, Anne Purnell, thank you so much for joining us tonight and, and making us smile. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com. Saturday night at the movies, don't know what picture to see? And Brody's got you covered. Did you like the film? Uh, no. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, that no. does it. I then. love your honesty. <laughs> Films about paranoia, I think they do us a lot of good. Because it's not happening to us. <laughs> I took your mom, Romy, who loves a good film. We laughed our socks off. I was so bored watching it. <laughs> a film critic who shoots straight from the hip. Saturdays on What She Said Talk. 
Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. And in my heart, you'll always play. Welcome back to What She Said. In Canada, there are more than 564,000 people living with dementia, and about 16,000 of those people are under the age of 65. A new TVO documentary called Much Too Young takes a look at four families struggling to cope with and care for a parent with early-onset Alzheimer's at a shockingly young age. Joining us tonight are two participants in the doc, Catherine Futerick, and Kathleen Fraschetti, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Now, the situation between the four stories we see are all unique, yet you all face the tests of anyone else your age. As you move through school, work, and social lives, Catherine, you were 21 years old when your mom, Patricia, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the young age, really, of 55 years old. Tell us about that. Mm. Yeah, it was um, it was shocking. Uh, it took about 18 months for the to actually get diagnosed with that, um, with the early onset Alzheimer's. So it was very confusing. It was scary to see these uh, very obvious changes and not have any answers from the medical community. Was it because she was younger than they think the window should be? Yes, that's that's why it was difficult to almost go into appointments fighting to prove that something was wrong with her beyond menopause um, symptoms or beyond just being anxious or depressed. Um, we were trying to just prove something more serious was happening. What were her symptoms? What did you notice about her that changed? Um, p- Personality-wise, she just became a lot less de- a lot less independent, uh, very anxious and nervous, and um, not confident in her ability to get around neighborhoods and go to places that she was once very familiar with. And then smaller things, um, just like buying multiple of the same items at home, the same book, um, forgetting to tell us about family events, those types of things. So what was the tipping point for the medical experts for them to realize there was something wrong? Um, the tipping point for them, I think, was the, the fact that her symptoms were ongoing um, beyond upping certain medications like anxiety and depression pills and that her family members and people who knew her well were, were kind of pressing on them, saying it's more than that. Now, Kathleen, your mom, Moira, was diagnosed at 51, and you were 20 
yes. at the time. And you say you feel the pressure to make sure your mom and siblings are looked after. I think your dad described you as, as an A-type personality. Yes. Right? <laughs> but um, So tell us what a typical day for you would, would be like, because how, how many siblings do you have? Um, there's three of us, but right now my sister is pursuing her degree at Waterloo. My brother's also um, in college at Niagara, so right now it's just my father and I at home. Okay. So a typical day we wake up quite early and get my mom ready for the PSW to show up, and then we assist my mom and the PSW personal support worker to have her shower and get ready and dressed for the day. Um, someone helps to feed her breakfast, and then she fortunately goes to a day center during the day, so my dad and I can kind of keep up our regular routine of going to work. And then in the evening we do, we have dinner together. Someone again has to feed her and then someone comes in the evening to help her get ready for bed. What would happen if you weren't living at home? That's a really great question. Um, it's definitely something that I carry a lot of fear and guilt about. Um, but at the same time, I think we kind of have to live our lives as regular 25 year olds and then other things or more support has to come into place. Okay. Now Let's talk about the support, because you both have said that you feel a lack of support from, from your peers. One, one of the quotes, and I think you, you felt you were getting a lot of help. There's lots of pamphlets out there. But no one tells you how to tell your friends or your boyfriend that your mom has Alzheimer's. So was that, was that the hardest thing? It's, it's definitely one of the most challenging things. How do you explain this disease? How do you bring someone into your home to be around that? Um, I distinctly remember in university, my brother called me and said, you know, I, I have a friend coming over, but I don't know how to tell them. What did you say to your friends? And I don't have the perfect answer, and I'm sure Catherine felt mm -hmm. the same way. But it, it's a difficult step to take, and it's not something that every 20-year-old or teen even has to do. How do people respond when, when you do tell them? Um, I think people have the preconceived idea that, oh, it's something that your nice, gentle old nan or grandpa gets. Um, so maybe they'll be confused and they'll tell you a story from their youth over and over again. Uh, but it actually, I think, appears differently in younger onset, um, sometimes more aggressively. And I, I think uh, from my experience, people just they're uncomfortable because they don't know how to interact. And um, the challenge for us, I guess, is trying to just make it an environment where everyone can can feel comfortable and happy and and not behave in a bizarre way. <laughs> <laughs> you you must I mean I went through something like that. My father had a um, it was medical malpractice, but he had basically a stroke uh, or the same effects as a stroke that he was half paralyzed was in a wheelchair and my mother had lung cancer at the same time. So right. I I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I, and and you feel, you feel terribly responsible twenty four seven. Like it's yeah, it's sort of this cloak that you you can never take off. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's one of the most challenging things, I guess, as at the age that we were in our early twenties to go through this is that you have friends and they want to go out socially, uh, go out in the evenings, and then fill their days with their going to work. And it's kind of a selfish time of your life, as it should be. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely struggled with feeling guilty of I should be with my mom, especially because during the early days of the diagnosis, she really wanted and was clinging on to those relationships that she knew. So that would be her children and her siblings. Um, and as much as people tell you, like, live your life, focus on yourself, it's really hard to do that when the mm. person wants you there. So what's the what's the main message that you hope viewers get from watching the documentary? 
Um, I personally hope people get a better understanding of what this disease is about. It's not about forgetting your keys or misremembering someone's birthday. It's so much bigger than that. Um, and I hope people understand that the, the challenges that we face as younger people caring for our parents. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, I would say, I hope that it just reaches people like ourselves who in the very early days don't have very many resources that reflect them. A lot of things are focused at senior citizens um, getting sick and then the caregivers being people maybe in their fifties or sixties caring for their aging parent. But for us, I think we also want this to be uh, where, where people can recognize someone that looks like them who's going through something similar and maybe use this to show their friends um, to kind of break the ice on introducing them to what the disease is. And the other thing, too, is there are things that you can do in your 20s to delay the onset of Alzheimer's. We're learning so much about the brain now that, that we never knew before. Yeah, there's lots of research, which is really great. And I think just having the word Alzheimer's out more and more in the media is good. And obviously, healthy living um, hopefully can prevent all sorts of things as mm-hmm. you age. Um, so the more research and the more it's talked about and the more the word becomes familiar to people, the better. Now, Catherine, you also balanced being a caregiver with working as a filmmaker and you sing as well. So you wrote mm-hmm. an original song called <laughs> All the Time, yes. which you perform in Much Too Young. Yes. So tell us about the message of the song. Yeah, that's um it's very it's a very special song to me. I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of creating in my life because it came from something that has been so painful. Um and I didn't really ever write music for the intention of of uh it being really widely heard. This song in particular was actually just very therapeutic for myself. Um the meaning of the song is about my fear, I guess, of after this all ends. Uh, for me, we've been going through it for almost a decade. Um, so you get used to it and it becomes your new normal. Uh, and I'm kind of, I'm curious and I wonder and I think about what it's going to be like um, when my mom isn't around anymore because unfortunately that's the direction that this disease takes. Whether it's fast or slow, you don't know. But uh, that's what the song is about, just kind of that and remembering um, that love that she was so expressive all the way, even st- still today. Um, for us. So Much Too Young is available to stream right now on TVO.org. Mm-hmm. And it's also going to be airing Wednesday, September 27th at 9 p.m. and midnight on TVO. Mm-hmm. And they also did um, a, a four virtual reality shorts as well. So yeah. so where do you get to see that? Um, you can download the app on muchtooyoung.com um, and that'll take you right to the VR project. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's... Um, it's, it's great of you to do it and to take part and, and to let people have a look inside your home and, mm-hmm. and your life. Is there one thing that you think will surprise people of what they see? Um, I think people will be surprised at how challenging and the thing and how difficult everyday tasks can really be for someone with Alzheimer's and how difficult it can be as a caregiver to navigate those tasks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for telling your stories, both of you. I mean, it takes a lot of heart and courage to do that. And it, it takes a lot what you do every day. Um, this is what she said. We'll be right back. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. 
When Candace Derricks tells people where to go, they listen. Hmm. And all-inclusive is sounding pretty nice right now. Ooh. <laughs> Let me see food and travel and exactly, what else. right? There's nothing else in life. It's food and no. travel as far as I'm concerned. So you want to do all your investigation up front. These are really, really, really good tips. Pleasantville is on our bucket list. <laughs> We've got expert travel tips and tricks from Candace at lifeinpleasantville.com weekends on What She Said Talk. Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast, entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to Mackenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Center. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Welcome back to What She Said. Now, as hard as it is for some people, uh, to make a nickname happen for themselves. For others, like our next guest, that Eric Alper, it just somehow catches on. <laughs> that's right. My nickname is that. that. <laughs> <laughs> my nickname is, I don't even know if that's an adjective or a uh, noun. Did, did you have a nickname? Um, I, well, we, we were talking <laughs> about this that you in can intro. Say on air? Yeah. Um, my daughter started calling me Mamouk when she was little. Mamouk. What Mamouk. is that? It's, I think, instead of mum. It Into was Mamouk. Right. Mamouk Badouk. And what, it, and what about you? Chatty. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah. I have no, no idea. No idea. Um, well, tonight in On the Record, brought to you by Roar Records, we're going to talk nicknames for artists. Absolutely. You know, everybody knows Bruce Springsteen, and a lot of people know that he is known as the boss, not only because he's a leader of the E Street Band, but that nickname stuck because while he was playing in a group called Earth in the late 1960s, he was the guy that used to collect money on behalf of the band from the bar owners every night. So when somebody said, hey, who do we pay? The drummer would go, pay the boss. And then point to Springsteen. And that's how he got the name, which is kind of ironic because for a guy that's known as the boss, he speaks for the working class people. In fact, uh, Barack Obama, during the 2008 presidential campaign, when Bruce was presented with the Candy Center Award in 2009, Obama said, I'm the president, but he's the boss. Uh I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line. Speaking of being, of being working class, Johnny Cash is known as, of course, the man in black. And partly because of his doom and gloom songs about regular people, that he speaks for the people. So he's the man in black. But in truth, it turned out that Johnny Cash and his backup band, the Tennessee Three, always wore black because it was the cheapest forms of clothes 
when they were still starting out and struggling. So they found that black clothing was a little bit more cheaper than white clothing or jeans. So they decided Easier to, to always black. And, and it keeps them clean. <laughs> so they don't have to use dry bills as a form of expenses. So that is really why he's called the man in black. It turned out that it's not about the doom and gloom music, but it's about being money conscious. Kaba is known as Mama Africa and for very good reason, or Mamouk. <laughs> they should call her Mamouk Africa. Um, she's known for that for very good reasons. She is courts as a South African singer. She's an actress. She is a United Nations goodwill ambassador and a civil rights activist when she was alive. She was a leader in the Afropop movement. She was one of the first people to bring jazz music to Africa and, of course, world music back to people in North America and the UK. She spoke out against apartheid when it was uncool to do that. And she really popularized world music to the masses and of course that's her biggest song Pada Pada from 1967 and that is why she's known as Mama Africa You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drives a man insane You broke my will But what a thrill very few artists I've worked with that have actually scared the bejesus out of me, and Jerry Lee Lewis was absolutely one of them. I went to go see a show in Nashville that was honoring his 50 years in the music industry, and he had very big, large bodyguards with guns in their pocket, and I had no idea if that was to protect the audience from Jerry or Jerry from the audience. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis is, of course, known as the killer, and the reason why isn't so much a of his rebellious rock and roll attitude. It was because where he grew up, calling everybody killer in North Louisiana, where he grew up, was commonplace. So instead of saying, hey, buddy, or hey, man, people would call themselves, hey, killer, and the killer name stuck with him. So it's one of those terms of endearment that you think means something, but really it came from just your average everyday occurrence in life. If you want to get down, and people are blessed with one nickname. Eric Clapton is so good. He has two nicknames. One of them is God, which comes from a, a vandalized um, building where somebody had spray painted Clapton is God on the side of a building. Somebody took a photograph of it and spread it through the media at the time back in the late 60s. And that nickname stuck. He's also known as Slowhand because he would break so many guitar strings during his show. And there would be this awkward silence in between songs while he was setting up to uh, setting up his strings for the next song. So in the audiences, people would just go like this. They would just clap because they were bored and they had nothing to do. <laughs> so that led to the nickname Slow Hand, which is a slow clap. And of course, clap being Eric Clapton. And that ah. nickname stuck. Thanks, that. Eric Alper <laughs> is brought to you by Roar Records. Download the single rise by Elise Saunders based on the heroic story of Olympian Jessica Phoenix on iTunes and Spotify now.
Well, retirement is a huge milestone for most people and a big topic of conversation for all of us as it often means a big lifestyle change. Is there a way of getting ready for it, especially financially? Joining us this evening is financial advisor Renee Rebelo. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you say there are five steps to the ideal retirement for today's woman. They must be big steps. <laughs> they're, they're small steps, but they're big jobs. So there's lots that people need to do when they're looking and thinking about retirement. And one of the biggest things and one of the biggest problems I hear in my office all the time is, I don't know what I want to do in retirement. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people envision these great big ideas, you know, walking down the beach, happy couples clicking drinks, you know, golfing, uh, having a family cottage and all the grandchildren coming up. But what is it that you want to do? So not just the commercials and what everybody else's dream is. So identifying what you want in retirement is the first step and a hard step. I would say that's probably the hardest because we – we worked for, you know, 30, 40 years. Suddenly we're here. Many, right. many people are getting there and they don't know. No. And they are sometimes so involved in their professions and their careers that they get lost on their identity and don't know what they would do when they stop. Because the next day you wake up and you're not going to work and you've done that for 30 years. So a lot of people have a hard time identifying what that's going to look like reality wise. Right. So really start thinking about that is the first step. That is correct. That is the first step. So whatever you envision, um, the best way to make it happen is to make a plan and work with somebody to figure out if this is the end goal, how am I going to get there? What are the steps to make that happen financially? Okay. okay. So we've identified what we want to do. That's and right. then we connect with you because you're going to help us work through the next four yes. steps. Okay. So step two is taking inventory. Mm-hmm. You need to really look at what investments you currently have, what assets you have, what debts you have, which ones you're carrying into retirement, because a lot of people will carry debt into retirement mm-hmm. now. That's the new norm. Um, what do you want to work with uh, financially and looking at cash flow? So the biggest thing is knowing what you're spending pre-retirement and then having an idea of what you're going to need in retirement. Because a lot of people have no idea. They might have saved a ton of money and had it all sitting there, but they don't know if that's going to carry them through retirement to Mm -hmm. do the things they identified in step one. Because we're all living longer lives, too. That's right. We're very healthy. Do you find that with people that they really don't? don't have a clue where they are financially? Yes, that's probably the majority of the people that when I do public speaking or when I do appearances, a lot of people will have no idea what they've saved, how it transitions into a cash flow in retirement and what that's going to look like. And they'll say, Renee, am I going to live on spam or craft dinner? And I'm like, well, do you want to? Can you, can, can you, pe- so. can you tell people how much they need or whether they've got enough or not enough? Yes, or- absolutely. Wow. I can actually look at people's money that they've saved. Normally, 10 years prior to retirement is when you really want to start looking at where you are and where you want to be because that gives enough time to correct any mistakes you might have made to that point for finances. But what about if you've made a mistake? And somebody comes to you and says, okay, I'm now retiring. And there's strategies that can always be implemented. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to hear. Or you're eating craft dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I like craft dinner. So (laughs) So what's step three? Step three is definitely hire a certified financial planner. There's different, just like there's different areas of specialties with lawyers and accountants, there's different areas of specialties with financial people too. So ask questions, interview. This is your money. You shouldn't take it lightly. People really need to put a lot of thought and effort into who they utilize to do a phase of their life. And sadly, you might have been dealing with the same person for 20 years, but that person may not be the person that transitions you into the next phase of your retirement life. Okay, and... 
Step four. Step four is stop saying one day I'll get around to it. It's take action. Do it right now. What do you, what, who you got and what you're doing and everything is not going to take action into the future. Things will happen if you let them play out, but you need to make that appointment. You need to gather all your stuff and take the action. Just do it. And, and last but not least. And the five. fourth, five. or sorry, the fifth, yeah. yes, sorry, is celebrate. You've gotten there. You've made the choices that led you to your retirement. You need to actually enjoy it and go through with it and enjoy retirement and celebrate it. So that is the fifth step is to actually celebrate and have it implemented. So what age do you think people should actually start thinking about their retirement? Well, people should start thinking about retirement immediately, depending on how young you want to retire. So, for example, there's things you can be doing that are not specific for retirement, but they will transition into retirement, like buying a, uh, an additional property for investment purposes or st- storing away money into different investments. There's all different things depending on your goals. No one size fits all. So no textbook can really tell you what to do. You need specific goals for your specific, specific life. And also because we're all living longer and we don't know if we're going to be ill and need care. Or there's so many eventualities to plan for. It's hard for if you're in the position and you are the person to do it without some professional you help. You really need help. Only yeah. a portion of a small percentage actually reach their goals without using someone. So, so speaking of that, where can people reach you? Oh, people can reach me online at uh, my website through uh, mylcfs.ca, so Life Coach Financial Strategies. And they can reach out to me through social media. I have a Facebook page. I have a private special secret Facebook group for sharing secrets and doing some videos. And they can ask for that. And I will add them to the group. Um, Many ways to find me. So they can call the office even in Grimsby, Ontario. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Renee. Lovely to have you in. Well, thank you for having me today. Have a great evening. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Fear of missing out? FOMO flies out the door when you listen to Lena. Who knew? I hope everyone will know by the end of this segment. Every time you come in, you have such great news to share with us. Oh, thank you. I love sharing great news. Yes, I want everyone to know about it because it is such a great cause. I almost had tears in my eyes. Yeah. It is phenomenal. OMG. OMG. <laughs> Join What She Said Weekends and find out what lifestyle blogger Lena Almeida is loving. And now, more women positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio.
Welcome back to What She Said. A new Canadian study revealed that stroke in women during pregnancy is three times higher than stroke in non-pregnant women of the same age. Joining us now to discuss this is Dr. Patrice Lindsay, Director of Stroke at Heart and Stroke Foundation and survivor Anna Sophia Jody. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Now, the study was published in the International Journal of Stroke. It also found that roughly 30 out of 100,000 women will experience a stroke during the pregnancy period. Dr. Patrice, uh, tell us about the first phase of this study. So what we did is looked at a lot of reported studies about stroke and pregnancy to understand just how big an issue this was. Right. And what we know is that women of childbearing age who are not pregnant We'll have a stroke maybe 10 out of 100,000, but that it actually triples to 30 in 100,000 for somebody who's pregnant. Now, Anna, you're, you're currently eight months pregnant, and you experienced two strokes during your previous pregnancy. That must have been incredibly scary. Tell, tell us what happened. I was actually at work, and both of my um, strokes happened at work when I was delivering a lecture or during the meetings, and... Um, it, it was a very strange feeling. I just felt a little bit off. My headache was very mild. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say it was about 3 or 4. Mm-hmm. I was a little hungry, and then I had a blind spot, and that's it. There was um, no face drooping, no other symptoms that usually associated with strokes. And when I came to Sunnybrook and I had an MRI, only then it was diagnosed that, the, that they, there was a stroke. Now, Christine and I are both like, yeah. stunned because yeah. we, we didn't know that this... This wasn't. We didn't know that this was a trend or an issue. That it was, this was an important stat for for pregnant women mm-hmm. to know. And then we also find out that some babies have strokes in utero. So this is all new to me. Um, were was your baby okay? Yes, the baby and myself we were okay after the two strokes. And I think it's important to note that anybody can have a stroke at any time of their lives, young or old, healthy or not. I was instructed with a running room at the time at Client CM Tower. I was very healthy. There is no family history, no high cholesterol, no high blood pressure, preeclampsia symptoms, nothing of the sort. So, Dr. Lindsay, what's going on? Is it just that pregnancy, what, for what reason does pregnancy increase the risk of stroke? Well, there's a lot of changes that happen to a woman's body during pregnancy. Um, What we see is actually most of those strokes tend to happen later in the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it's it's more common to have high blood pressure Mm -hmm. and and to have that become really severe to a condition called eclampsia or preeclampsia, where the high where blood pressure gets too high and really out of control. That puts the women at much higher risk. We also have the issues of um, diabetes that some women will have during pregnancy. And then near the end of your pregnancy, your blood starts to thicken up and be a little stickier because you're getting ready um, to deliver in the hormonal changes. So all of these different things can contribute to an increased risk of stroke. So let me ask you, could a pregnant woman go into her doctor and, and be told, look, you're ripe for this? Or, or do you just have to wait and try and make sure that because when you're pregnant it's not your normal body anyway so it's hard it would be hard for me to say oh that's something unusual because I couldn't sleep when I was pregnant I mean there were tons of things so what we're doing as the next part of this work is we've actually um, releasing guidelines for doctors on how to be more aware and what to think about so any woman of childbearing age 
should have her risk factors assessed as a normal part of, mm-hmm. of any early pregnancy care and monitored throughout pregnancy. You know, the normal things of weight gain, and weight gain in pregnancy is normal and needed, mm-hmm. but if it becomes really excessive, um, diet is the biggest thing, sodium, salt intake, um, eating healthier, fresher foods instead of processed high-fat foods, and getting exercise. So even though it's hard, you know, as you get later, that is so important throughout your life and especially during pregnancy. But, but, but Anna Sophia, you know, you <laughs> seem to be doing everything perfectly the first time round. Um, have you done anything differently this time based on that previous experience? From what my doctor told me and after doing everything from simple blood work to a spinal tap, the um, my my diagnosis is migraineous infarct. So um, my doctor, Doctor Schwartz, he did say that I'm a perfect candidate for a diagnosis that uh, hormonal disbalance also can cause migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, the headache that I was experiencing, no matter how mild, can cause um, blood flow, flow restriction and hence cause a stroke. How scared were you to get pregnant again? Um, everybody else were scared. <laughs> I was not very scared because in Dr. Schwartz's office, I did meet other pregnant women, second pregnancies, absolutely no issues. Hmm. That's, it gave me hope. Yeah. <laughs> now, Dr. Schwartz is, is, is he an exception then to the rule? Um, Dr. Lindsay, about doctors being aware or, or putting this on their list of what to scan for or look for or prepare for? Dr. Schwartz is a stroke neurologist, right. so he's a specialist in stroke. And the, the really neat thing that's been happening is through this um, study is getting obstetricians mm-hmm. and specialists in fetal maternal medicine and neurologists to be working together and talking together. So all the work we did was actually a team combined of, of both specialties. And it's that collaboration which is really important mm-hmm. to help um, give any woman the best outcome if there's any risk or concerns. So what's your recommendation to women who are pregnant to say to their healthcare um, professionals? Well, the one thing we don't want is for every pregnant woman to suddenly become fearful. Right. Right. So, you know, good antenatal care, making sure you're checking in with your healthcare providers on a regular basis, doing the healthy eating exercise pieces. If there's any concerns, ask about them. Um, think about the vascular risk factors you might have which are all the things we, you know, commonly know, blood pressure and, but ask questions. If you have concerns, just ask questions of your healthcare providers. If there's anything that they think um, is off, they will, Mm -hmm. they should be doing tests to to check that and to watch you more closely. Now, the second phase of this study is called Managing Stroke in Pregnancy, a new Canadian consensus statement, and was presented at the 2017 Canadian Stroke Congress earlier this Mm -hmm. month. What can you tell us about that? So this was this um, collaborative team of, of neurologists and different medical specialties coming together to say, what would you do to manage this patient if stroke happened during pregnancy? Because there's concerns about, you know, radiation if we were going to take someone for an MRI or a CT scan. How much effect would that have on the baby? What medications are safe that may not cross, you know, the placenta? So all of those things we took into consideration. We spent months and months with this group talking about all these things. There's very little research evidence, so we came out with practical guidelines, practical advice, really, in what to do if. And, and the most important what to do if is make sure you reach out and contact experts to help you. And has that information been trans, 
translated to or, or sent out to all GPs and all obstetricians and across the country? We will be publishing it in the next uh, month or so, and then that's the next phase of our work. And shows like this are really huge at helping us get the message out. And Heart and Stroke will be working very hard to make sure people are aware and know where to look for advice. And Anna, what, what's your message to other women who are hearing the story tonight? I 100% agree with Dr. Lindsay in terms of you have to follow what your doctor tells you, exercise, healthy uh, lifestyle, get tons of sleep, all the fluids and all the nutrients you can to provide for yourself and your baby to lower the risk of stroke. But uh, nobody's immune. So if you experience something that's off with your health or um, you have some weird symptoms like headaches or flashing lights or blind spots like I had, just please go to the ER and insist on um, getting a checkup and do not disregard your symptoms and just go on with your day. It's interesting because I, I get migraines and I suffer from visual migraines and I had a couple of visual migraines. So, you know, seeing the aura and spots um, before my eyes, but I just put them down to a migraine. So if I had known that knowledge then, I would have gone and asked to make sure I was okay. But no other no other symptoms other than what I would call a normal migraine. You see, I never had a normal migraine before in my life. So it was extremely surprising for me to see flashing lights and aura. And that's when I learned what aura is. It's kind of wild. Migraine really. is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can't thank you both enough for... Uh, Dr. Patrice mm -hmm. Lindsay and Anna Maria Jody uh, for Anna joining. Sophia. Anna Sophia. Uh, I've got the hurricane on my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all this information. I, I'm, I'm sure it's invaluable, absolutely invaluable. And people can go uh, and learn more at heartandstroke.ca. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. And now, more women positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Don't dim your light. Don't hide your heart. Go show the world just exactly who you are. What you are listening to is Be You by award-winning singer, songwriter, Tara Shannon. Welcome back to What She Said. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, that song is the official theme for Be You, an initiative that empowers and celebrates the uniqueness of all girls. And you've been helping do this through a Cross-Canada Mall Tour. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's really, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, initiative and campaign. So uh, I was approached by Morgard, um, 
to write this theme song and do the single and do the music video and uh, to help empower young girls. And yeah, we're going, we're going out and speaking with them and I'm performing for them. And um, the feedback so far has been overwhelming. And, and you're a mother of two daughters. I have two daughters, yeah. And you say that you witness the different challenges that young girls face. And along with performing, um, you've been sharing your own experience. What has that been like? Yeah, it's um, my daughters were the main reason um, that I that I said yes because I do see the challenges that they face every day. When my my daughter, my youngest one was seven, she was watching TV and she out of the blue we were watching TV. She said, "Mummy, am I fat?" And I was like shocked, and I looked at her. I said, "Oh my gosh! Like no! Like where is this coming from?" Mm. So we can really feel the effect that it's having on them. I remember the effect it had on me, but also for my boys. I have I have boys as well, and it's really good for them. It almost empowers them as well to then re-empower girls. It gives them permission. So although we're targeting girls, it, I think it has a holistic effect right across the board. Now you've also partnered with Big Brothers Big Sisters to put on free interactive workshops. Um, what do people do during the workshops? Uh, well, the first one we had is just this week during this campaign. We had uh, we were at the screening in Ottawa at uh, Imagine Theatre for a Dream Girl, which is another component of the mm-hmm. campaign. And so we had activities for the young people there. And really, we're just creating an environment that allows for conversation, you know, so we can get talking about it. And so once you give kids a voice, um, they can figure some stuff out themselves when you give them, give them that space to have, talk about it. Have you it. been learning a lot from them? I have. Actually, we had a one story that really hit me. I was, telling, I was uh, talking about on the way up was uh, we had a post from a woman who had played the song for her son the morning it came out. And he went to school. He's seven years old. And he loves um, pink stuff. He has pink flip-flops, and he, he picked a lunchbox that was, like, bright and sparkling pink. So he was bullied at school all day for that because it's a quote-unquote girl thing. So he came home. He was quite upset, and she was tucking him into bed late that night. And uh, he said, she said, how would you feel about that? He said, well, I felt pretty awful being bullied, but I really, really liked the lunchbox. So I'm just going to keep it because I'm just going to be me, just like the song says. Right, Mom? And as soon as she said, like, I read that and I sent it to the team, we're all teary eyed. And, you know, we were like, if we just help the one person, you know, that's it. Well, BU is out now on iTunes and Spotify, and you can visit bugirl.ca to learn more. Tara, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. This uh, is what she said for this weekend. We will be back next Saturday and Sunday at 10 p.m. We are going to leave you now with BU by Tara Shannon. Don't dim your light, don't hide your heart Go show the world just exactly who you are Stand tall, live out loud you're the only one you need to figure out All you gotta do is be you
it is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.